The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. It's the time of Halloween... When evil spirits abound, ghouls and ghosts, pariahs and phenomena, witches and warlocks, vampires, werewolves, poltergeists, emanations, phantasmagoria, and crawling things too awful to imagine. All the outcasts from the natural world, not only the supernatural and the dead, but the half-dead, the haunting army of the lost. Between two worlds. Look! By the sepulchre! Hey, you! Get away from there! What do you want? No! No, Tigger, leave him. He's running away. Oh, but Miss Linda, he was trying to break in. I can't believe it. Why would Don... Why would anyone want to break into my mother's tomb? I I don't know. (laughs) I don't guess. Now that he's gone, we are going to find out. Let's, uh... I had a notion you might have recognized him. Why would I recognize a complete stranger? Our mystery drama, Absolute Zero, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Ian Martin and stars Jada Rowland. It is sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, and True Value Hardware Stores. I'll be back shortly with Act One. If we are to believe St. Peter that God is no respecter of persons, then it is one thing the Almighty has in common with death. No money, no power... No wisdom or guile can circumvent those dread wings once they fold about you. Or can you escape the shadow of finality? Long before the dawn of this 20th century, men had wondered and tried and failed. But with the turn of the century and the giant leaps forward in medical knowledge, did it become a possibility? Or was it still only an illusion? Come away, Miles. In a moment, George. Of course you must weep for Emily, but not sorrow. She's gone home, you know. What? To her eternal rest. Oh, my dear old friend. How can I comfort a man who's just lost the wife he adored? I need no comfort. In this case... I believe my kind of doctorate to be more capable of prescription than yours. Oh, Reverend Dr. Armbruster, I cannot agree with your diagnosis. I've lost my wife, not myself. And the last thing I need in this world or the next is divine guidance. I'd have been hard put to describe my emotional state. Grief. Terrible, drenching, stifling grief at the death of my mother. Even though it had been expected. 
killed. That I hadn't been with her during the last agonizing months. That I had been coward enough to accept my stepfather's offer to run away to school in Europe. And pity for him. Because Dr. Miles Hendon had been the loving husband my mother always deserved. And a good father to me ever since my own papa had died. And perhaps to my shame, frustration. Because I was going to be too late for my own mother's funeral. Excuse me, miss. Uh, are you all right? Can I get you a glass of water? You cannot. Why? Oh, you looked a little pale, as if you were faint. Are you a doctor? Uh, no, miss. Donald Anson Caton, attorney at law, and at your service. Did you think I looked as if I needed a lawyer? No, I thought you looked as if you needed a friend. I'd rather be left alone. Well, I can do that on the train. I must apologize that we will be at much closer quarters on the coach. What coach? The coach from Hyannis to Orleans. You're going to Orleans? As far as the coach does. You're going to Wellfleet. How do you know? Oh, come, Miss Hendon. You are from a well-known family, particularly in the Cape Cod area. But forgive me, I had no wish to intrude on your privacy. Only a desire to help if I could ease your troubles. I think you could best satisfy both by leaving me alone. I could see him hesitate for a moment at my blunt answer. And in that instant, I had the irrational urge to take back my dismissal. But in the moment of decision, I had waited too late. And with a deep bow, he withdrew. And then suddenly the train ride was over. And I was seated next to him in the coach from Hyannis to Orleans. The other four men in the coach seemed to know each other well. And in the intimacy of their conversation, we were locked out and perforce thrown together. You all right, Miss Linda? Miss Linda? Uh, I mean Miss Hendon. My name actually is Russell. I... I didn't mean to be abrupt on the train... It's just... Oh, it's, it's all right. I quite understand. I'm sure you mean well. I hope I did. You, um... You want to talk about your mother? What does that mean? Well, you seem so terribly upset. I thought perhaps talking about it might help. What is there to talk about? She had a... A cancer of the blood. There's a new medical name for it. I don't know. Leukemia? I honestly don't know the name, but it's a... Well, in modern terms, they call it progressive and terminal. How could it have been so quick? Well, so many cancers become wild and untamed, it's hard to anticipate how fatal they can become overnight. And yet... And yet what? Oh, uh... Nothing. Let's just say that I'm an interested bystander and that I'll be staying at the Orleans 1776 house. If you should need any help, you can always reach me there. Ah, Linda, my dear. How nice to see you again. Oh, Reverend Armbruster. Where is Miles? Uh, uh, Dr. Hendon? Uh, your father sends his deep regrets, but... Uh, but what? 
well, he, he had, uh, quite frankly, my dear, ever since, since your mother's demise, he, he's become, what shall I say, he, he's gone into a kind of seclusion. He is expecting me back. Oh, yes, yes. After all, he sent for you. Digger Wells is here with a trap, but the horse threw a shoe. He'll be along any minute. I am too late for my mother's funeral. I'm afraid so, my dear. For the funeral. But not for what else? Well, I would hope there might be a, a sort of memorial service. Why? Well, I... Well, it, it was a somewhat, how should I say, hasty affair. Not altogether satisfying from, well, in a religious sense, shall we say. No, no don't let me put it that way. In a ritual fashion is perhaps more precise. But Mama is buried. Oh, yes, yes. I saw her casket into the grave. And my stepfather was there. Beside me. Where is he now? Hold up on Slate Island. He's expecting me out there? If you want to go. After coming all the way back from Europe, I haven't much choice. I don't know. It's no place for a young girl under the best of circumstances. For that menacing pile of rock... And with your mother gone, the house is a sad and lonely place. I've tried to persuade Miles to leave it and, and come back to the house in Boston. Money should be no problem. Then what is? Uh, ghosts of the past. I, I suppose that's why Miles has chased himself back to the miserable island. Because there he does have something to grasp at. A picture of Emily by the sea... A feeling of her footsteps in the house and the linens of the bedroom. Preoccupation with the dead is a sterile emotion. And he has so much to offer the living, a brilliant doctor. And I don't think it's a healthy place for a young girl to be. He needs me, Reverend Armbruster. And she was my mother. I don't know why, but... I have this uneasy feeling that you should have more company on your trip. You're a perfect old darling. But I don't want you to worry. <laughs> I won't pretend it will be a very happy trip. But what on earth would I have to fear? I was to think a great deal over that exact choice of words during the days to come. But of course, I didn't know... Or even suspect that then. My head was much too full with memories of my mother anyway. We're most all the ways to home about now. I know. Master should have met you. Why didn't he? Uh, doctor's mighty busy ever since he... Uh, <clears throat> don't see much of him. Busy doing what? I don't rightly know. Turned the turret room and the rest of the top floor into a laboratory after you... Oh, I don't mean to keep bringing it up, Miss Linda. It's all right, Digger. It isn't something any of us can dodge. Where did they... Where is Mama buried? Well, in that uh, fancy marble house your grandfather built in the eastern churchyard. Could we stop there just a moment before we go over to the island? 
Well, uh, if you want to. I think I would. Ain't nothing to see. She's closed up tight in the coffin. I don't want to see anything. Just feel. I had a cold, shivery feeling. To think of going into that dim, echoey mausoleum my grandfather Russell had built for the family. But I also knew I loved my mother. And I had this overpowering desire to be near where she lay. And just to whisper, Mama, I'm sorry. I didn't want you to die. And I should have had the courage to see you all the way. I was almost ready to say to Digger, forget it. I'll come some other time in the full light of day. Then I reproached myself. What did I expect to see? A ghostly shape? My mother sneaking up in some strange ectoplasmic form from the sealed coffin. I'll come with you, miss, and bring one of the carriage lamps. No, I'll be all right. Still just twilight. Pretty dark. Right spooky here in the graveyard. Oh, I have nothing to be... What is it, miss? Look! There, by the sepulcher. Hey, hey, you! Get away from there! What do you want? No, no, Digger, no, leave him. He's running away. But he he was trying to break in. I can't believe it. I would not... I I mean, why would anyone want to break into my mother's tomb? What? I I don't know. (laughs) I don't guess. Now he's gone, we're going to find out. Listen... I got the notion you seem to recognize him, Miss Linda. Eh? Why would I recognize a complete stranger? Come, let's go see if any damage has been done. As they approach the dark tomb, Linda knows that she's not being honest with Digger. And certainly not with herself. There's no doubt that it is Don Caton, the young man who introduced himself on the train. Why has Linda's first impulse been to protect him? Has she been right to trust her heart rather than her head? I shall return shortly to pursue that question in Act Two. Linda Russell Hendon, back from school in Paris, hastening in a race back to Cape Cod, a race against death, which has claimed your mother. At this moment, of all times in your life, you have met the young man who might be the one you have dreamed of. But it's the wrong time. And worse than that, there is something mysterious about this Don Caton and his seeming familiarity with your family. Who is he? What brings him to the Cape? And most troubling of all, what brought him to the tomb where your mother lies buried? Who was it, Miss Linda? I tell you, Digger, I don't know. I only caught a glimpse of him. Mm, Appeared to me you thought you knew him. I thought for a moment I did. But in this half-light... Never mind that now. The important thing is not who it was, but what he wanted. Let's go. Couldn't get much. Tomb sealed up so tight she couldn't get inside without a load of dynamite. 
<laughs> or a key. Of course, I have a key. Only reason I brought you here. Wouldn't let no one else in but you, Miss Linda. But uh, there's nothing to see. I told you I don't expect to see anything. Just to feel... Oh, but that was before. Let's get the door open. Uh, give me a moment. Yeah. There. Now, yes, Joseph. Yep. Uh, you, you take the lantern, uh, give you a bit of light, and I'll stay by the door. What have you got there? A pistol. Ooh, with a prowler around, right smart thing to have handy. Oh, but I'm sure he... Well, perhaps you're right. But if he comes back, don't shoot till we talk to him first. Oh, why would I, Missy? Sheer matter of self-defense. And, uh, yours. Thank you, Digger. My mother's coffin was rich mahogany, ornamented in heavy brass, which shone no less brightly than the other sarcophagi and the ledges within the mausoleum, but only had a newer, more recent patina. It was sealed tightly. In the guttering light of the lantern, I could see it was undisturbed. The final proof? The gossamer web of some spider who had already fabricated his own seal to protect my mother's rest. I thanked him silently in my heart and wondered vaguely for a moment what Don Caton, if indeed it was he I had seen, wanted in this place of private sorrow. Beneath my breath, I asked my mother to forgive me for coming home too late. And then I asked Digger to take me home. Bad weather making up. Real nor'easter. Why does father insist on living here now, Digger? I reckon you have to ask him that, Miss Hendon. Oh, Bertie, do you see her waiting for you on the dock? Where's Papa? I don't rightly know. But he is here on the island. Oh, sure. Only, uh, he keeps himself to himself, as fella says. What's that? Oh, uh, them's geese. Better watch dogs and hounds, the master says. It used to use them back in ancient times, he says. Won't no stranger set foot on the island here without they give us warning. Warning against what, Digger? Well... It's, uh, uh, well, just warning, uh, person wants his privacy. Oh, now there. Uh, maybe that's what they were trying to tell us. Coming down of a sudden like the forty days and nights. Uh, why don't you go below, Miss Linda, till I make fast at the dock? Let's get you out of that rain and a fine welcome home. I've got to say, Bertie, I don't exactly feel like the prodigal son. Where's Papa? Oh, upstairs, I reckon. Is he expecting me home? Oh, why, sure. But he's not here, not anywhere to meet me. What's wrong with him, Bertie? Is he ill? Now, Lamb, let's get settled first. Here, I'll take your wet things. Oh, Nana, where were we? Oh, your father. No, love. He's hale and hearty enough. Outside. But inside? Well, he took the missus going awful hard. 
Even though everyone knew it had to be sooner or later. But wasn't he looking forward to, to having me home? Oh, well, I don't know how to give that a straight answer. Sometimes I think... I don't know if I just blame him in a way. I think he was scared to look on you again. Why? Why on earth? Well, because your mother has gone to the beyond. There's you, full of health. And anyone looked at the two of you in the bright heat and noonday sunlight, a person would be hard put to know you apart. And that's why Papa isn't here to meet Oh, no. Not that alone. Ever since we laid her in the grave, he's took to the turret room and shut off the whole top floor. And he just hides away up there? Lord knows what he does, but it sure isn't much sleeping. My dear sir, in deference to your credentials, I have submitted to this interview and swallowed my impatience at the implications of it. I accept you as a young man eager to do a good job in your chosen profession, Mr. Kingdon. But I don't like your implication that I am trying to cover up something. But, uh, Dr. Ferguson, you did sign the death certificate for Mrs. Miles Hendon. Yes, yes, I did, I did. And Dr. Hendon is a close friend of yours. That is beside the point. I signed the death certificate because I was called in to examine a woman who had been my patient for over three months. She was suffering from a cancer of the blood, which was gradually vitiating it to useless water. I will admit that neither I nor my esteemed colleague, Dr. Miles Hendon, her husband, had uh, anticipated the speed and deterioration of the blood in that last week. But you both concurred that once this terminal stage uh, set in, death was inevitable. It is the common pattern of the symptomatology. Mm -hmm. And on the last day, the day you signed the death certificate... I examined a woman who had no pulse, who had ceased to aspirate, who reacted to no reflex tests, and who, on thorough oscillation, had not the slightest sign of a heartbeat. I was examining, if you will, a corpse. Naturally, I pronounced her dead. And there was no possibility of any mistake. Sir, by any criterion we have to judge by, no possibility whatsoever. Linda, my dearest daughter. Forgive me for welcoming you so tardily. Oh, it's all right. I don't mind. I just... I just don't understand. Please, Linda, let me mourn your mother in my own way. I offer no excuses. I... I only beg you to allow me to control the conduct of my temporary bereavement. Temporary? Well, death is a bridge between the known and the unknown. Why do we accept without cavil that the traffic must be only one way? What are you talking about? Well, certainly not a subject for your homecoming. Not exactly the term I'd have picked for this return. Well, why? Surely this is your home. With mother gone? Well, it was and still is hers, too, I hope. Only because she was so ill and wanted to hide from the world. But she never loved this grim old island. Oh, she'll find cause to before I'm done. My old father, I know how much you are hurt. The last thing Mama would have asked of you was to become a martyr. To bury yourself here. Uh, you don't understand what you're talking about, child. Better than you, maybe. 
It was nothing Mother would have wanted, except for her illness, and nothing she would have wanted from or expected of you. Or me. I tell you frankly, I won't stay here. No, but you must. I did come back to try to give you support. I did intend to stay with you a while till the wound had healed. I was ashamed of myself for ever allowing Mother and you to talk me into leaving when her time was so short. Linda, she didn't expect. I, the doctors, no one expected that it might be so sudden. No excuse. I should have been here to help her. Sustain her. Well, then promise me you'll stay and do the same for me. No. Mother had a reason for running away from life. It was being taken from her. You don't. Staying here is a sickness, and I won't baby you. If you won't fight it, I won't stand by you. Oh, if you only knew. Why, Linda, I've just begun to fight, and I'm going to win. Win what? Well, when, when I'm ready to tell you, I'll, I'll show you. And then you'll, you'll thank me for it for the rest of your days. You and my beloved Emily, your mother. You'll stay and you'll see. You'll stay because you must stay. Well, perhaps tonight. That's all I ask, my darling. All I need. Must. We have that music, Mr. Downer. My apologies, Mr. Caton. Reggae from Jamaica. Such a strong beat, so full of life. I find it such a welcome contrast for the necessary preoccupation of an undertaker with death. Mm -hmm. I, I just want to make certain. Now, there was no question of Mrs. Hendon's death. Heavens, no. I mean, we drained the blood. Uh, beg pardon? To prepare for embalming. She was all ready for perfusion. And that is... A preservatory chemical recirculated to guard against, well, any deterioration during the viewing. But there was no viewing. There was not such a pity. A lovely woman, lovely woman. Mm -hmm. uh, why? It was the wish of the husband of the deceased. But you did place her in the coffin. That was your responsibility. Well, now, I don't know if I like your tone. But since you pressure me, not exactly. Oh. What are you suggesting, Mr. Caton? It is, is unconscionable. I, I will be no part of it. I don't see how you can avoid it, Reverend Armbruster. You were the officiating minister at the burial. But I, I, I mean it. It's preposterous. You've seen my credentials, Reverend Armbruster. You've double-checked on me. And where a large enough sum of money is involved, nothing is preposterous. Or even impossible. But what about the police? Oh, I haven't enough evidence. Even if I had, it would take time to get an authorization from the courts. In the meantime, I am concerned that another life is at stake. I'm asking you, sir. Can you and will you open Mrs. Hendon's coffin? <sighs> What do you expect to find? Nothing, Reverend Armbruster. Neither her body nor her soul. I expect to find that coffin empty. The Reverend George Armbruster gazes at this intense, determined, and completely sure young man. 
And of all the questions buzzing in his startled mind, surely, as with us, the main question must be, why? Why would he expect to find the coffin empty? I shall return shortly with Act Three. For the moment, the storm, a typical sou'wester, has passed over the Cape, although the rain is still coming down in a steady drizzle. Approaching the mausoleum by total dark, with the damp cedars dripping and the elms and maples rustling in ghost voices to each other, the building looms even more eerily than earlier in the day. And while the Reverend George Armbruster hesitates, thinking about changing his agreement through this strange young man's request on Snake Island, Linda also is regretting her agreement with her stepfather. Who's there? It's me, Digger. Oh, Miss Linda. What are you doing out in this storm? I'll come in the barn, quickly. Oh, thanks. Oh, it's cozy in here. Oh, I love the smell of horses. Oh, <laughs> seems like you've got a friend who returns the favor. But not those geese. Well, they, they quiet down once they know you. But they're hell on wheels with strangers. Uh, here, uh, let, let me close the door. I don't want to stay on the island tonight, Digger. I want you to run me over to the mainland. Oh, in this weather? In any weather. I don't want to stay here. Mm -hmm. You uh, told your father? He doesn't want me to go. Oh, then I'm afraid I couldn't take you. Digger, I don't know why it is. But I'm scared. Uh, you're, uh, you're not afraid of ghosts, are you? Not my mother's. The last person she would harm is me. And she's not here anyway. She lies in the family tomb at Easton. Brave words. Because I was afraid. Of what all of us are most afraid of. The unknown. Ever since I'd come back to the Cape, I had sensed it. Known that something was desperately wrong. I had to fight this unimagined terror rising in my throat. And the feeling that something evil was about to engulf me. No, 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 no. Don't force it. Just this one last nail and... Well, mm. see for yourself. Oh, dear Lord. You were right. Empty. What does it mean? I'm not quite sure, Reverend Armbruster. But you're the detective. You're the only one who suspected. No, no, I'm not a detective, just an insurance adjuster. Anytime a policy is written for a million dollars and death occurs within an unexpectedly short period... The company has to investigate. Dr. Hendon insured his wife for that amount? Yes. When? Oh, just about one year ago. Oh, at that time she was in perfect health. Was she? Well, I... Yes, it, it seems so to me. Mm-hmm. Perhaps a doctor could have known better. I want to know why Mrs. Hendon's remains aren't buried in their own casket. 
What difference does it make? She's dead. Are you sure? Of course. I saw her so. I ought to bow out, but I'm a stubborn guy. I met her daughter. And I'm just perverse enough to have this big bump of... Uh, I don't know what you want to call it. Extrasensory perception maybe that she's in danger. Of, of what? It's nutty. I, I can't justify it in any way, but I have this insane notion that Mrs. Hendon is somehow still alive and that it's her daughter, Linda, who is in danger of ending up dead. Who is it? It's Birdie, dear. Oh, come in. I just brought you up one of my old toddies to help put you to sleep. I don't feel much like sleeping. Where's my stepfather? Oh, still locked up above there in his chemistry laboratory or whatever it is. Does he know I want to see him? Oh, Digger must have told him. I don't want to stay here tonight, Bertie. I want to get off this island. Oh, not, darling. It's a terrible night out. No time to make the crossing. Where would you go? I just have this terrible feeling I shouldn't stay here tonight. Look, what you need is a good night's rest. At your age, that makes a world of difference. Now, come on. Drink the old drink I used to brew for you. Chocolate and my secret ingredient. All those years you were growing up, it always made you sleep like a top. All right, Bertie. No sense in trying to run tonight. I'll wait for tomorrow. Want me to help you into bed? I think maybe I'm a little too old to tuck in anymore, Bertie. <laughs> but I promise to drink my drink. Oh, well, good night, then, dear. And sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. In hindsight, that was the most cynical statement. Since the serpent said to Eve in the Bible that she and Adam should eat the apple because then they would be as gods. But I can't blame Bertie, or even Digger, because I truly believe they did not know my drink was drugged. I might, as it happened, have slept through all that dreadful night, and what was to happen to me if it hadn't been for the geese and their warning cry. What's that? The geese, sir. Now, what's disturbing them? Uh, I don't know. A stranger on the island? Uh, not in this weather. Uh, something disturbs them. Well, it's a night for all of us to be disturbed, sir. All right, you can ease your conscience. You may leave us now. I don't know as I ought. I suggest you do as you're told. I serve the Russell family, not you, Dr. Hendon, who only married into it. And it's Miss Linda I offer my services to. Yes, and protection when I speculate what you have in mind. You can't fly in the face of the Almighty, Dr. Hinton. You... Why, you fool. You can't stop me. No one can. Till I bring Emily back to life again. It was like a dream. Faces and figures elongated, out of focus. The sound of words, far away and echoey, and not quite clear. Now, what was happening? Too bizarre and ghastly to be anything but a nightmare. I saw Miles pick up Digger's limp body and literally toss it into a corner. Miles, 
Yes. What is it, Linda? Oh, I feel so, so weak. Everything's so, so far away. Now, now, that's as it should be. It's the sedative I put in the drink Bertie brought you. Bertie drugged me. No, 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 no. She had no idea what it contained. The anesthetic was mine. I'm sorry all this commotion has brought you out of it. An anesthetic? What for? What are you doing? What's happening? It hasn't happened yet. But it's just about to. The miracle of the 20th century. What? What are you planning to do? I am about to reverse the whole human process. I'm about to bring the dead back to life. moved away from me. I tried to sit up, but I found that I was bound by heavy straps to a medical table on which I was lying. I was conscious now of some sort of a machine throbbing in a steady rhythm, turning my head in the direction of the sound. Out of the corner of my eye, I could see that Miles had gone in that direction and was pulling aside a heavy drape on traveling rings. As he pulled it aside in one impatient movement, I saw... Oh, God, help me. In a kind of blinding flash, resting on a huge base. What looked like an enormous fish tank. The frame was heavily leaded, and the glass panels narrow and heavily frosted. Through the tiny particles of ice and snow that churned and swirled about beyond the glass, Inside the tank, in that one blinding flash, I could see a figure lying. My mother! What's mother doing in that thing? She's dead. Oh, no, not dead. Merely in suspended animation. The diseased blood has been taken away, her body purified. The flesh and organs and all the intricate convolution of brain and web of nerves and artery preserved by being frozen with liquid hydrogen at almost absolute zero. The body, waiting only for new blood to feed the heart and lungs and all the rest. Fresh, wholesome blood from you. From me? You will feel nothing, my dear, I promise you. And have no fears. It will be only temporary. But why me? The blood must be harmonious, consanguineous, so that the organs do not reject it. No, no. My dear, you will only be taking your mother's place for a little while. And when the time is right, I shall bring you back to life. No, no. Oh, you're mad. You can't. I can do anything I want. And no one can stop me now. Come and struggle. No. Oh, no, no. Take that needle away. I can't. Let her go, Dr. Hendon. Bigger. Should have stayed decently at rest. Very well, the first needle will be for you. I warn you. Don't come near me. I have a pistol. You wouldn't dare use that on me, old man. You're so weak you can't even aim it. Give it to me. I warn you. Stay back. You wouldn't harm me, Digger. I'm your master. No. Digger has always served the Russell family. Not you. I know where my loyalties lie. With you, Miss Linda. I damn you. Oh. Good Lord, you hit the compression chamber. My man, 
a man I'd seen only three times in my life. It was Don Caton who unstrapped me and carried me down and outside the house. And just in time. For suddenly the flame from one of the lamps must have ignited the hydrogen in the laboratory. And with one terrible roar, the house on Snake Island was gone forever. Everyone except Miles and... If you mean my mother. She was dead already. Of course. And Miles... Miles was quite mad. If it hadn't been for this young man here, we would all have been innocently involved in a terrible and tragically unjustified death. Mine. Well, not while I was around. Once I found you, I wasn't going to let you go. But I don't understand how. Well, I'm an insurance adjuster, Linda. A year ago, your stepfather took out an enormous policy on your mother. Our doctors didn't realize she had an incurable disease. It's not very common. But apparently, Dr. Hendon did. He spent every cent of his own and your mother's trying to find a cure for her. But in the back of the mind, he must always have had this... this incredible scheme... And knowing how much money he would need to, to even attempt what he dreamed, the insurance was taken out. We, uh, I mean my company, were alerted by some strange things about your mother's funeral. And with the help of the reverend here, I found that her coffin was empty. So that's what you were doing last night at the mausoleum. Mm -hmm. uh, insurance business. I'd like to write a policy with you. Oh, no thanks. I have no intention of dying. <laughs> I have even less notion to allow you to. The policy I had in mind was between you and me. For life. Linda and Don Caton were married by the Reverend George Ombuster two months later. The bride was given away by Digger Wells. Dr. Ferguson retired from practice convinced both in his heart and by the state medical board that he had gotten too old to practice. As for Mr. Downer, faced with false statements and the prospect of jail, he gave up undertaking very suddenly, and the police are still trying to overtake him. I'll be back shortly. You know, in the period of this story, cryobiology and cryogenics, the study of living matter's reaction to intensely low and freezing temperatures, was a gleam only in the science fiction writer's fertile mind. Today, they are recognized and viable sciences. And there exist across the country many deceased who have elected, instead of burial, to be frozen and preserved until someday human science might be able to reverse divine will. I choose no side, 
but only comment that once again it reminds us that truth can be stranger than fiction. Our cast included Jada Rowland, Russell Horton, Ian Martin, Bryna Rayburn, and Court Benson. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, True Value Hardware Stores, and Contact, the 12-hour cold capsule. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.